Hey guys, Pastor Jason here. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to our Market Street Church podcast. I hope and pray that this message would challenge you and help you grow in your walk with Jesus. Sixty-six days, one verse from each of the sixty-six books of the Bible. I think you'll enjoy that. So we want you to have that, and I don't want you men to feel out like you're out of the loop here. I'm not giving you all a book, but uh, I do have a, a couple of books here I'd like to give away today to the men. But I'm going to let you ask me for it afterwards if you want it. I'm going to preach today about Caleb uh, in the Old Testament. Caleb, he was one of the, you remember the 12 that went in to spy out the land? He and Josh were the only two guys that came back and said, let's do it. He was all in. That's what this book is. All of these are by Mark Batterson, one of my favorite authors. And, uh, and so if you're serious about your walk with God and really want to take another step in your relationship, then come and see me and get one of these books. Here's another one by Batterson. It's called Not Safe. And uh, these will challenge you. So if you want one of these, let me know, and we'll take care of that afterwards. Otherwise, we've got to spend a lot of time uh, trying to figure who we're going to give those to First come, first serve. Well, I'm delighted to be with you today. Uh, I am, uh, I am uh, the uh, network director for the Detroit area for the Missionary Church in the state of Michigan, and that means I kind of work with young pastors. I hate to tell you how long I've been in the ministry, but you're going to hear anyway later, so it's uh, over 50 years, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, and uh, uh, retired from the pastorate in uh, 2009. And uh, we started, while we were there, we started a, uh, a coalition of evangelical churches in the city of Warren, where I live. Uh, and uh, I still give direction to that. Plus, I work with the missionary church pastors in the Detroit area. And we're involved in church planting and also restoring churches that have... Uh, needed to have a shot in the arm. And so I'm having the time of my life. You know, when you're pastoring, you got to do everything. Whether you like, you know, there's some things as pastors you don't like to do. <laughs> I hate to admit that. But every pastor, we honestly tell you the same thing. But when you retire, it's a whole new ballgame. <laughs> you pick and choose what you can do. And so uh, I'm enjoying these days. Um, I brought my lovely wife, Rebecca, right there. Stand up a minute. And don't clap or you'll embarrass her. <laughs> She's not going to stand up. Anyway, see, that's how well she obeys me. <laughs> You're going to hear more about that in the message today. That's another story. Um, but uh, uh, we, we just want to be uh, an encouragement to you. 
and uh, hope that uh, today you'll be able to take something. And this is going to be different. Uh, you're used to getting a, a straight message from the scripture, a sermon from the scripture. We're going to look at scripture here in a minute, like the life of Caleb. But I'm going to give you, and I've never done this before, so it's an experiment. So if it bombs, I'll never do it again. <laughs> so we're, I'm really encouraged to go for it up front here. I'm going to share, uh, it's going to be in the form of a, a sermon that's a testimony that proves a point. Would you allow me to do that today? Yes. I'm going to tell you my life story, but before I start, the dangerous part of this is that when you're talking about yourself, it looks like you're talking about yourself. <laughs> and if that happens, I've failed. Okay? I want to tell you what God can do through someone who surrenders their life to Jesus. And at the end, if that comes through, uh, then we've accomplished our goal, okay? But let's... Uh, Let's look in our Bibles at uh, uh, Numbers chapter 14, real quick. Or excuse me, Joshua. We'll talk some more about Caleb and Numbers. But we're in Joshua 14. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 15. Now watch for the word holy, not H-O-L-Y, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Uh, and I, I don't know what version you got. Maybe it won't show up in the version you've got. But there it is up there. Follow the Lord wholly, entirely, all in. Okay? That's the kind of guy. By the way, the name Caleb means faithful, loyal, and wholly trustworthy. Okay? So here we go. Uh, six, verse 6 of chapter 14, Joshua. Then the people, and by the way, a little background here. They had entered the promised land. Moses is gone. Joshua's in charge, for those of you who are familiar with the scripture. And uh, they've won victory in the promised land. And now they're dividing up the territory between the 12 tribes. And here comes Caleb to make his request for territory. So that's our background here. The people of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years uh, since the time that the Lord spoke the word to Moses. And now I am this day 85 years old. That's why I identify with this guy. <laughs> Although I've identified with him across the years, but particularly now. And I am still as strong today as I was when the day of Moses sent me. 
he's saying he's as strong at 85 as he was when he was 40. That's, uh, that's something, isn't it? Got to take him at his word, right? My strength now is the strength that was then for war and for going and for coming. So I now give, uh, so now give this hill country on which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakims, those are giants in the land, Anakims, were there with great fortified cities. Uh, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. And then Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to, gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb and the sons of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. All right, that's our background. That's what we want to focus in on this guy, Caleb. Uh, let me just start by giving you a little background. Uh, and I got some note here, so I don't know if I'll look at them or not. But anyway, as a kid, 10 years old in the balcony, Dakota Avenue Missionary Church, there's some guys in the balcony. That guy needs to get right with God. <laughs> I can't even see who it is. <laughs> Wave at me. He's all right. He's all right. I got to watch. I'm not at home. I better watch what I say. I get into trouble <laughs> shooting from the hip like that. But anyway, uh, I, we had an evangelist at my home church there at Six Mile John R. in Detroit. And I went forward. I had a buddy with me from the neighborhood. I said, come on, let's go get saved. <laughs> he didn't know what was going on. But I went, and he came with me. I don't know what happened to him, but I got saved. Ten years old. And I want you to know, during those years, I, I just uh, wasn't smart enough to have my brain argue with whether God could do anything or not. I just believed God could do anything. He was a miracle-working God. I just, I, that, was, that was riveted into my heart and my soul as a kid. And so time went by. I was a senior in high school. Sunday night service. Remember when we used to have Sunday night services? Anyway, the old days. The preacher preached, gave an altar call. And I'm, as far as I knew, everything's fine with me. I'm the Lord, I'm fine. But I get this persuasion to go pray at the altar. And I finally, after several verses, I thought, okay, Lord, but I don't know what I'm going to pray about. So I went up to pray at the altar. And I'm praying and going on and on and on. And I said something like, Lord, if you want me in the full-time Christian service, I'll go. Boom. That was it. No question, didn't question it then, never questioned it since. I got up, the pastor came over to me, he was a stern guy, and he looked at me, and he said, Brother Thompson, what has God done for you? I said, he's called me to preach. He looked at me and he said, don't you ever forget it. He scared me so bad I never could. <laughs> and so I went off to Bethel College, our school was Mishawaka, Ed Phelps, where are you? Is he in here? He, he went home. <laughs> Ed's from Mishawaka. Anyway, uh, freshman year. Freshman year, 
there preparing for ministry. I'm sitting in a church history class. Now, you got to let me just pause there. I'll come back to that. I want you to understand something about that. Several years ago, I took an IQ test. I didn't score real well. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And not only that, um, I, I, I was immature. I, 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 I was, I could be troublesome at school, in high school years. And uh, I was in and out in my relationship with God. I, I knew I needed to trust him, but, you know, young and doing my thing and blah, blah. And so I want you to get the picture here. And I wasn't a great communicator. I didn't have the eloquence. I tried to get one of our, from the missionary church, I tried to get one of our top speakers here today to preach this. Thought, oh, that would be great. He couldn't come. And uh, he said to me, he said, I can't be there. I said, you know what that means? I got to preach. He said, go ahead. You'll hit a, hit a home run. I said, I'll hit a foul ball. Usually that's what I do. But anyway, uh, you got to understand, God didn't have with me much to work with. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. You have to understand that. That's the point of what I want to tell you today. And you'll hear some of my antics and you'll understand how bad it was. So I'm sitting in the class, back to the story. Freshman year, college, history class, church history. And I don't hear voices from the Lord, but the Lord impressed on my heart as a freshman, I want you to go to California to pastor. I don't know anybody in California. What's that about? I said, well, well, it was clear. And so I said, Lord, I, I told you a long time ago, you tell me what you want me to do and I'll go. That's why I like Felix. He's just so good. And so I began to make preparation. I had three, I had more three, uh, three years of school done. And by the way, I dropped out a half a year because my grades were low. There you go. I told you I was dumb. <laughs> I came back and preached with my class. But anyway, I, so I wrote the district superintendent out there, told him that I would be available when I graduated. Oh, he was all excited. Yeah, well, I wasn't. I just knew that God wanted me to go. And so the time came where uh, I graduated, believe it or not, and uh, we had made arrangements. In the meantime, I got married to this lovely lady. By the way, this year, and don't applaud, please. We're going to be married 60 years this year. Yeah, no, I told you. I warned you. And we're going to be married 60 years, and I'm turning 80 years of age in May. I know I don't look it. I look 90. But anyway, uh, so we get we got hitched, and she knew we're going to California, and time came. We loaded up everything we had on a four-by-six Sears trailer. That's all I needed to take everything we had and headed for California 
I pulled it with a 1963 Ford Falcon. How many remember those? Anyway, on the way, we stopped at uh, the district superintendent in Phoenix, Arizona. We stopped, and we had no furniture. They had a house for us. That's it. And we had no furniture. We got to his and he said, I want you to know it, Mr. Thompson. He said, we got word from some folks there in California. Uh, an elderly lady has uh, retired. She's going into an assisted living place. She's donated all her furniture to you. Appliances, bedroom, living, everything. All of a sudden, we had a house full of furniture for this house we were going to. And so I think, oh, that's confirmation from the Lord. After that, they shouldn't have any problems, right? <laughs> well, you know where it's going here. So we get there. And we had some folks from Orange County come up and help us get the house ready. So we worked on that for a week and did some painting, blah, blah. I went out into the backyard. I kid you not, after about a week, and everybody's gone. And I looked, and I'm, I'm crying like a baby. <laughs> I said, Lord, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to. By the way, they didn't have a church for me to take. I had to plant a church. I didn't know that. I got to plant a church. Well, I never heard anything. I never had a class. Back then, you didn't have anything about church planting like you do today. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And so uh, we started, we rented a building in town and tried to announce to a few people. We had no money. I was making $25 a week, and back then it wasn't much, much anyway. And so, uh, and we had one couple to help us. That's all they had in this town of Corona, California, was an elderly couple who had no children and had no friends. <laughs> and we're, we're trying to start a church. So that's what we got. And I'm, uh, I don't know what to do. We rented this building, and oh, here we have a few people, my wife and I and this couple. And yeah, it wasn't going to fly. So we started a kids' club on Sunday morning got with Child Evangelism Fellowship, and we called the Kids Club, and I started, we started calling the neighborhoods around there, and an old gentleman from the Orange Church come up, and he went with me, and we went door to door, and we started to gather, and we had 30, 40 kids start coming to our living room. Well, that's, uh, that's a goof anyway. And from there, uh, we begin to try to get in touch with parents and so on and so forth. Now, I'll pick it up in a minute, but let me tell you what's going on in the meantime from Brother Thompson. I'm, I'm discouraged. My wife and I are newlyweds, and she would confirm what I'm going to tell you right now. First year of our marriage was World War I. Some of you, I think, can identify with that. Second year was World War II before we quit going. Took her that long to straighten me out. So we're, here I'm trying to plant a church, and I, we got marriage problems. By the way, Jimmy did a great job, but it's hard to get up front by yourself, and because and, if you make a mistake, you can't blame anybody else. <laughs> did a good job. And so here we are. I'm fighting, and we're fighting, and busting, and we have... We, we, we would wait till we got our $25 on the weekend and we'd drive immediately to the grocery store. 
because we didn't think we had any food left. So we're going through that. And, and in the meantime, I'm, I'm half backslidden. Well, where's the guy that was all excited about going and doing D Jesus' work and you're backslidden and you're fighting with your wife? I want you to get that in mind. That's the point of this message. If you're going to remember something about me, remember that. That's the kind of guy I was. That's where I was at. Spiritually, immature, in many other ways. And I'm trying to plant a church. Well, we had the kids coming and, and uh, we started to meet with... And, and all this time we're looking for a building. We've got to have a building. Uh, so we can start to gather in some adults and stuff. And so the realtors, I had met with some of the realtors in town and had them show me, they'd always say, how much money you got? And I said, man, I, <laughs> we didn't have any money. I had nothing. But I still... So one day, one day this realtor calls, and he said, there's a place over here on Yerba Street, on the other side of town, and uh, I'd like you to see it. I said, that's good. On the way over there, he said, how much money you got? Oh, I said, not much, but it's rough. We walked into this place. It was a house that was attached to this what had they, this lady had they used it for a garment factory, but they had shut it down, and it was a room a little smaller than this, but kind of like this size. And uh, this is empty. And so we walked in, and he said, Mrs. Feinberg. He said, This is Pastor Thompson. He like he's trying to start a church, and they're looking for a building. She turned around and said. Praise the Lord. She said, I've been praying that this would be a church. Well, <laughs> how are we going to do this? I got no money. So I tried to get her aside. And I said, Tom, I don't have a lot of money. I said, we're, we're, I don't know if it's going to work. She said, we'll talk about it. So she said, what's your, give me your address. So she came over later in the week or ne the next week or whatever. We sat down and she said, well, I'd really like to have this building. I, she, I said, we don't have any money. We can't do this. She said, well, she finally said, can you pay the utilities? Well, out there in California in the, in the summertime, there's, there's no, hardly any. I said, yeah, I think we could handle that. She said, well, then I want you to use the building. I said, you're kidding. No, no, I want you to use the building. And so we started to, to fix it up. The, the end of the story, and I'll come to the end of the story. In the meantime, in this backslidden condition and fighting with my wife, I had to have some income because we weren't, so I started to substitute food in one of the one of the schools out there, district. And uh, and that helped us out. And then the principal called me one day and said, we like, we like uh, what you're doing with this class. He said, we have an opening. We have a position that's opened up. We'd like to hire you full time. 
I say, whoa, well, that's interesting. And so I thought about it, and I thought, wait a minute. This, I, I can't do this without God. Lord, forgive me if this is the right thing. I told my wife, I said, I'm going down to the local motel tonight. I'm going to pray until I get things right with God. I'm not coming. So don't worry about me. I'm not going anywhere till that happens. I went to this motel. I started that evening. I'm on my knees. I fell asleep praying. Climbed into bed. Next morning I got up and I started praying again. And I'm wrestling with the Lord. And I said, God, these angels will kill me. I can't go home that day. And God, God met with me in a very special way and confirmed to me that he would, he would direct me if I would just keep my eyes on him and follow through in ministry. That day, it was clear to me I couldn't take that field job. The next day, the principal called. The next day, and said, uh, we've talked about it, we won't hire you. And I called him by name, I said, I'm sorry, I'll take this easy. But I said, I, I just talked to the Lord about it, I can't do it. I've got to continue on in ministry. And that was the beginning of a turning in my life after all these struggles. Now back to the story. So, she wants us to, to use the house. She's given us rent-free, just the utilities. That was 58 years ago, something like that. That church is still meeting in that building today, on that street, that same building. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't, lose, don't miss it. That's Jesus. You remember a guy named Jonah? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Listen, God is looking some, for some folks who will wholly follow him. Now, I wasn't H-O-L-Y, but I was, God worked it out, but I was H-W-H-O-L-L-Y, and I wanted him more than anything. And God will take folks like that and use them. But you've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. You don't have to be perfect. That's not going to happen this, time, this side of heaven. But you know what I'm saying. And so that was that experience. When do you usually get out of here? <laughs> All right, whatever. You'll be sorry. <laughs> Let me check my notes. See where I'm at. I see where I'm at. Oh, I'm past that. I'm past that. So, uh, We were in Kona. I got a call from the 
head guy here in Michigan at Missionary Church. Brother John Tucky, he's here. Anybody from the old church remembers Tucky? There you go. All right. All right. He thought, when he, when he talked, he thought you were talking to God. He had that deep that voice, you know. He, Brother Tom, he talked. He says, we'd like to have you come back to Michigan. I said, why? I don't get you to say. What's the, what's the, what are you talking about? He said, well, we have a church in Utica. I said, where's it, where's it at? He, I said, listen, I'm not going out in the country. I'm a, I'm a city boy. <laughs> I said, you can't catch a lot of fish in a bathtub. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I got to be with his people. Oh, oh, he said in his, in his deep voice, and he talked in the King James English. He said, there are hundreds, yay, thousands <laughs> of people. I said, well, I said, sorry about it. Anyway, we, we did make the trek back to, to Michigan to the, to the church on Bequinder Street. That was about 20-mile road, for those of you who know that area. Little church, 40 by 60 had a handful of people, and uh, they weren't real spiritual, whatever. But anyway, God opened that door, and we went there. And uh, over a period of time, we began to gather folks, and God blessed and honored that. And uh, we were able to put an addition on the building, and one thing and another. And... Uh, the Lord gave us from about 20 people our high day was about 300. And once again, remember who you're talking to here. And God did some outstanding things during those days of ministry there at that church. Now, uh, I don't know what you know about spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4.11 talks about the, the uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Well, all of those are different leadership gifts. And uh, depending on where you're at, that's how you lead a church. That's why when I interview guys for ministry, I want to know what their motivational gift is, their spiritual gift is. It's important. What has happened over the years, I'm, I'm getting, see how I ran after the rabbit trail? I told you I wasn't real smart. I'll get back to this other stuff. <laughs> what happens in the church these days is historic churches that have been around, like my home church in Detroit, 100 years old, over 100 years old now. <laughs> when I went there, what happened, I'll tell you that later. I'm getting way ahead of myself. That's why I should have started my notes. But I'll just say this. The historic churches, they start with evangelists or apostolic guys who have the vision, and they build it up, and then they, the people, well, we need a teacher. We need somebody to shepherd us. And those, guys are, and those guys are great. We need that in the body of Christ. Nothing wrong with that. It's the way God wired them. But what happens, the, vision guy, the visionary guys are gone. And the church begins to decline. 
and now we're in trouble. And that's going on in a lot of our historic churches. And so we have to go in and revitalize them. We had a church in Sterling Heights that was down to 30. And they, were about, they just turned 100 years old. They were in Detroit, came out to Sterling Heights. And we put a young guy in there. He's 29 years old. He, uh, this is the second year he was running about 150 now. He's uh, apostolic and uh, getting the job done. And so anyway, so here I am after about four, four and a half years at the church on DeFlinder. I'm restless to do other things. And so the Lord leads us eventually over to church in Roseville. reminding me I feel like I'm talking a lot about myself I don't feel comfortable it was anything that ever happened in this guy's ministry was because Jesus interceded because God showed up that I'm telling you that has to happen I don't care what gifting you have or whatever not smart enough to do some of the things that God did. There's just no way. And so we, we, we were there at this church and, and uh, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that. We had, a, we had a great ministry there. Tremendous. My wife was with me for always all along. Her we, had, we ran buses. How many of you remember when we had bus ministry? We had buses in the 70s. We were running eight buses out of that place. She was a bus captain, not a driver, a captain. Captain's job was to go out on Saturday through the neighborhoods and get kids to come on Sunday. Back in those days, you could do it. Today, it's a whole different story. But back in those days, you could do it. On our big day, we brought in a guy from Kentucky. His name was Slick Goodman. Man, I thought we can't go wrong with a guy like that. <laughs> and uh, he came in and he went all day, all day on a Saturday uh, with, our, with our bus captain's club. Our goal was 1,000. He came in at the end of the day, he said, you're going to hit your 1,000. He said, I've never seen such motivated bus captains in all my experience. Well, she was one of them. And her route took three buses to get her route. She brought in 300 on her route bus route now that's listen when you're all in God does some outstanding things and my wife's all in by the way uh, well we went out for a short spell and helped plant another church in Southern California to, with a friend of mine who was planting. And uh, came back to, uh, to Michigan, to Clinton Township in Michigan, to plant a church there. Well, we, I knew a little more about it now after all these years. And so we started with four families. We started in a YMCA. And we, we, we'd huddle around on Sunday morning. Somebody coming in from the parking lot was, was new. We'd get all excited. 
Freedom right, freedom right. And so that's how it started. We wound up, after a few years, God began to direct. We got out of the YMCA and met in, in a school for a while. And then I started looking for property. <coughs> this is a story I, I want to tell. Um, there was a school for sale, 17,500 square foot school in, in our district there. And so I went up to see the uh, superintendent. I said, we'd be interested in that school. He said, well, uh, that ain't going to happen. I said, well, he said, we got about seven different groups that are interested in that school. He said, you'd be at the bottom of the list. I said, well, whatever. Well, a few months later, it's still empty. So I go back up to the school. Well, this guy, the superintendent, had a heart attack. He was in the hospital. The vice superintendent was there. And I told him, I said, listen, I talked to Mr. Hardy, and uh, he said there was all these people interested, and, and it's still sitting empty. He said, well, we still got two or three that are interested. He said, it just, that's the way it is. Oh. A few months later, it's still empty. I go back up to the office, and now Mr. Harding's back. And I said, what's the deal with the school? He said, make us an offer. <laughs> I said, well, we don't have a lot of money. He said, whatever, make us an offer. Now listen to this. We bought that school with no money down on a land contract with no interest. Now you tell me that's not God. We bought it for 270000 The group that has it now is selling it for $2 million. <laughs> I'm telling you, this business of following Jesus is the most exciting thing in the world. But you got to get all in. Caleb wholly followed God. Well, let me close with this. This is my first close. I usually close two or three times. <laughs> Most preachers do. But anyhow, uh, we... Uh, You got to hear this. Talk about a guy that's a loser. Twenty some years in ministry, I go into clinical depression. Well, what am I being depressed about after all? Well, all these stories I'm telling you. I'm in clinical depression. At this ch church where we had the school that we got for no money down. And so. I didn't, really, I didn't know it was clinical depression. I just, some people call it burnout or whatever. Watch your pastors. Take good care of your pastors. God's precious. But anyway, uh, I resigned. Boom, 11 years, I resigned. And uh, so my, my sister in California called. 
He said, you know, back in those, I don't know if you remember, used to be on the radio, Men with Meyer Clinic. They were Christian psychologists. They had this radio program and answered questions. He said, you need to go to Men with Meyer Clinic. They work with pastors. I said, well, I blew it off. Well, finally I thought, I need, I need to find out what's going on. If I can ever be in ministry again, I don't want to go through this again. Put, put people through what I just put them through, resigning like that. And so I flew down to Chicago, which was the closest men with Meyer Clinic. I'm sitting in the foyer reading their pamphlets, and they've got a, it tells of their di different locations. What city did they live in, Ron and Jerry? My wife and I are both the same. We can't remember a thing. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at these brochures, and the city that my sister lives in and wants me to go has a clinic, and she didn't know it. So I said to the gal that was interviewing me, I said, could I go to this one in California? I got a sister who lives there. She said, yeah, it doesn't matter. Although she said, that's impatient. She said, you don't need impatient. I said, I am impatient. <laughs> that's another. But I, I, she said, you know, they, they're more seriously, serious needs there. I said, well, I do. She said, well, <coughs> so we, I called my sister. I said, do you know you have a Men of Meyer clinic? And she said, yeah, we do. <laughs> so she checked it out, and we got it worked out. It cost a lot of money for this. And the headquarters of the clinic said, we'll work with you on the finances, blah, blah, blah. I'm lined up out there living at my sister's and going, everybody else had to stay in. in. I got to walk in every day because I was an outpatient. And some of these people didn't even need to be in there. I'm telling you right now. Had a Presbyterian preacher carrying a little teddy bear around. Going, oh, geez, what am I in? <laughs> but we started to get, they had three guys on staff uh, that now are internationally or nationally known anyway. Uh, how many are familiar with the book Boundaries? Two of the guys that wrote that, I can't think of their names. Clown, Henry Cloud and the other guy, John, uh, whatever. They were on staff. So I got that kind of in-depth counseling for five weeks every day. And God began to reveal to me my calling. Uh, I'm not going to, I got some more to tell you, so I can't go into all of that. But the Lord really opened my eyes to what I needed. And I thought, oh, well, maybe God can use me in ministry once again. So in the, I, in, in the meantime, I, I took a little country church out near the, in the Lansing area and uh, was there a few years, but I was going nuts in the country. I had to get back into town. And somebody stopped in, one of my preacher friends, and said, hey, your home church uh, used to be Dakota Avenue, has moved to Warren, and they're, they're thinking about closing. They're going down. They used to run four or 500 when I was a teenager. They're down to about 60. They said, they're looking for somebody. Why don't you... Well, I, I had been 18 years, I didn't tell you this, I went independent from the missionary church, 18 years as an independent Baptist. And by the way, I had as much freedom in the missionary church as I had as an independent Baptist. Don't let anybody tell you any different. That's the way it was. 
And so, anyway, uh, I met with the DS. He met with the executive committee. They said, yeah, if you want to come back, come on back. Got me together with the church board there, and they voted and said, yeah, come on back. I mean, I'm cutting it short. There was other details. But we came back, and so I got to pastor my home church, which was now in Warren, Michigan. And we were there 16 years, and that's where I retired. I retired from there in 2009. God gave us a wonderful ministry. We went from there to 60 or whatever it was. We were averaging about 185. And we were able to shoot off 30 families to plant a church out in Chesterton. God is good. God is good. But you got to be in. Get in. Don't be piddling around in this Christianity. It doesn't work that way. God will honor those who honor him fully, wholly. Now, for my final quotes. Don't lose sight of what I told you at the beginning. This guy could not ever, ever do what God did during those years. It wouldn't happen. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not organized enough. I don't have that. I, I can't do it. But God can take somebody who is wholly dedicated to him and use them. And it could be today, there's someone here, I said, Lord, why am I preaching? I, I told you I never preached this before. I, it wasn't a preach, it was a testimony. It was really a testimony. There may be somebody in the room today, you're, you're serving the Lord, but you know it, no one has to tell you, you're not all in. Let me encourage you. Get in both feet. Get in over your head beyond your own ability and God will pick it up from there. We're going to close with a, one of my favorite hymns. You know, I'm an old timer. Look at me. I didn't wear blue jeans. He's an old guy. Wore a tie. What's the matter with him? Whatever. I don't dress for the crowd. I dress for Jesus. Amen? So listen. It could be, as we sing this hymn, the Lord might speak to your heart. And you need to make that commitment. Like I was sitting in college class that day, God said, just, just do it. Just what I want you to do. And be obedient to whatever it is he's asking you to do. You just got to jump in with both feet. This is the hymn, uh, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. How many remember that? All the way my Savior leads me. A couple old timers back there. <laughs> We're gonna put, they're going to put it on the screen. Or they, I think they got the music to it. They're going to play it. Tim said he couldn't do it. He's a country singer. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a great voice, though, doesn't he? Bingo. Yeah. Of course we'd have that guy. Get your act together, we go on the road, my friend, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You probably need somebody to help us out, both of us.
So, um, yeah, so we're going to shut down the, the feed here. I'm going to pray. And because we, we can't show that on the screen, it's against the law if we, if we could televise it without having a license. Okay, so we don't want anybody to go to jail. Who's running this thing? We don't want him to go to jail, guys. Because <laughs> if they ask who did it, we're going to say him. <laughs> All right. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to put, put this song on. If you know it, you can sing along with it. If you don't, this is a song, by the way. That's kind of morbid. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have this at my funeral. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is it. This is my song. And when you see the words, you'll know why I want to have it at my funeral. Okay? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together, for these good folks. Pastor Sheila. Lord, get glory to this house, uh, to this uh, town, and uh, help, help each one of us. Help us to understand to the degree that we commit ourselves to you, that to the degree we will be blessed. And so help us to do the other one, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, you can shut that down. And then we can go to the, see what we got up here. If this doesn't work, I'll sing a solo, and you'll be sorry. <laughs> I hope it's the right song. Sit down. Well, let's all stand up. Let's stand up. Let's. You can sing along if you like. Well, apparently, the words aren't here. So just listen. led me all the way Jesus led me to 
Heads bowed, eyes closed, before we dismiss. Could be someone here today that you know you need to get all in. God's asking you for a holy commitment. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And you're going to say, Pastor, pray for me. That's what I know I need to do. I'm just lifting my hand and asking you to pray for me and remember me. I know I need to do that. Anyone like that? Before we close, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. 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 I see that. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. I'm sorry. I see it. Father, you see these hands, you know these hearts. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would give them the direction and the guidance and the leadership that's necessary to surrender fully to you. That's your will, and that's what they want to do. And so, Lord, that works good. So we trust your work in their lives. And in a moment here, dismiss us with your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, men, remember, I've got some books here. If you want one of these books about what we just talked about, all the way.